This is the Home Pro Success Podcast, bringing you interviews with today's home improvement leaders and trades business game changers. Tune in to get actionable insights to grow your own business. Here's your host, Corey Phillip. What's going on, everyone? It's Corey here, and today on the show, I've got Brian Sebring of Sebring Design Build. They're a full-service remodeling company, obviously starting with the design side and working their projects all the way through to completion. And in this episode, we talk a lot about the marketing that's working for his full-service remodeling company, specifically the silver bullet he uses to nurture potential leads and touch base with existing clients, how having a pricing guide on his website has impacted his sales and ultimately helped him reach more of the right target of customer. And finally, if it's worth paying for Angie's List, his experience with Angie's List. We touch on this in so much more. Tune into this awesome episode with Brian Sebring. Brian, man, welcome to the Home Pro Success Show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So why don't you start out by telling the audience a little bit about who you are and what you do. I'll kind of preface it and say that I know you're a remodeling contractor. You focus on high-end kitchens, bath, basements, uh, and maybe one other service that you had told me about when we kind of chatted before scheduling this. Just give everyone an overview of what your company does, what your company looks like, maybe a little bit about where you think uh, where you think it's going in the future, just so we have an understanding of what shoes you're in and other people that are maybe in the similar shoes to you can relate to that. So yeah, I started in 1999, you know, predominantly in the beginning doing anything to make ends meet. I was out in the field doing carpentry. I was doing estimating at night before I had kids. I was subbing out. I was also the project manager. So I was working many, many hours the first four or five years of my business. And I had a customer actually, you know, five years in want to use me to do this really nice project, really big basement remodel project. And I couldn't get to it for like six months. I, was, I wasn't very big at the time and I could only handle a certain amount. She decided to go with someone else. And I ended up talking to her later and she's like, we regret it. We wish we would have gone with you. And I think at the time it was a fifty or $60,000 project, which, you know, 14 years ago, that was a lot of money. And I decided at that point to grow my business and start to get carpenter. And then I grew, got a project manager and then I got an admin and, you know, I st- slowly grew it to the point where right now we are, we have about 12, 12 or 14 staff people. We have a pretty good array of, you know, we have estimator, marketing people, admin, a couple designers, a salesperson. We're definitely not a, a one, a one meeting close type of client. Uh, our clients aren't that way, I guess, put it that way. So uh, it's definitely a long process. And, you know, we do about 2.4 million a year approximately. And typically it's like 30 to 40 projects. That's it. So uh, they're all bigger volume projects. I mean, not as big as some remodelers because I mean, we're doing kitchens, mm-hmm. bathrooms, and basements. But we do some additions, but mostly it's kitchens, bathrooms, and basements. So what's your, just kind of, I mean, just obviously isn't a hard line, but as a soft line, we've all got it. What's your minimum project size? It sounds like uh, from what I'm hearing, what I'm seeing on your website, it sounds like you're only talking to people with a budget of 50000 or above. Am I right on the money with that? Or am I, well, not seeing it clearly? So no. So when someone calls me up and say, you know, and asks me that, I, first of all, we're not prejudiced against size. But what I, what I tell them is if you don't have design involved, if, you're, if you don't need design help with selections of tile and cabinets and, you know, then we're not the right fit. If, if you don't need us to organize, you know, five to 50 subs, then we're not the right fit. So if someone calls me and says, we need to, you know, do new tile in a shower, we're not a tile installer. We're a design build remodeling firm. So it's not about size because we do, we've done bathrooms for 25 grand 
all the way up to Batham is a hundred grand. You know what I mean? So it just depends on how big and what we're doing. So I don't really have an issue with size. I don't mm-hmm. look at a threshold where we say we can't make any money, anything below this. We just want to make sure we're the right fit for what people are wanting to do. I mean, if someone calls me and says, I've got all the materials I need you to install, well, that doesn't have design involved. So we're not the right fit for that. Gotcha. So we need, we, or if we do, we need help with design, but we're going to do it ourselves. Well, that doesn't have project management. So we're not the right fit for that. So we are design build. We are not separately design and separately build. We are design build combined. All right, so your design and build service, and I think by doing that, uh, do you agree with me here that you're probably weeding out a lot of the tire kickers by incorporating the design service in there? In other words, you know, not taking the projects where somebody calls up and just says, says hey, I need, uh, you know, 150 square foot of tile and cabinets put in? Yeah, I mean, that's, uh, we were talking about before, that's the reason why I rebranded to Sebring Design Build is that ultimately that was our fit. We were just getting a lot mm-hmm. of calls for people that didn't want that. And so I, you know, some people get offended when I tell them we're not the right fit that, you know, they want me to still come out. And I just say, we're just, we don't do that. It's kind of like going to a podiatrist when you need heart, you know, heart surgery done, you know, I mean. <laughs> if we're that's not- actually a good metaphor right there. Yeah. I mean, if, if we don't do it, just, you know, why do you want me to talk to you? You know what I mean? So, so yes, I definitely think it, it helps us. And I mean, it requires more overhead. And I tell people all the time, you know, I've had some people call me, but I need some flooring resanded and the stairs done. I'm like, you got two, that's two subs. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, well, you could just call them yourself. I mean, go to Angie's List or wherever. and Exactly. And save a ton of money. Why would you hire me with all my overhead and you're not even using it? You know, so, and usually yeah. they're, appreciative of that. Just being honest. Absolutely. So, you know, just based on what you said there, it sounds like you're subcontracting most of the work, uh, whereas most of your internal staff is focusing on the sales admin design side and then probably project management or supervising your subs. Is that correct? Yeah, we have a couple carpenter crews and labor and stuff. So, I mean, it helps. Yeah, kind of handle the punch work stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, so so you've got all these, you know, you got got the internal staff, you got the sales side working. What is really generating the leads for you at this point? Well, how much of your business? Let's go back because I know you know in trades business, particularly with someone that's been around as long as you have, twenty years or so, close to that. You're getting a lot of referrals, I'm sure. How much of your business is referral versus, or not referral, but repeat or referral uh, versus new business? And then what are you doing to generate the new business? I mean, I would say I'm like most remodeling contractors have been around more than five years. 70, 70% of my business comes from repeat or past clients. And all this, uh, all this work we put in in marketing is for the other 30%. And I would tell you this, when I talk to, you know, a remodeler and they say to me, you know, I get 100% referral and, you know, past clients, I'm like, you're doing something wrong then. And they're like, why? I'm like, because you should be growing other ways beyond that. Yes, you want tons of people calling you. You want them happy. You want them calling you back. That is still there, but there's other ways to try to get, you know, plant new roots. Let me put it that way. That's why I say is, you know, create new branches of clients and referrals from other people. So what are some of the other things to do? I mean, well, I would say this is that I, I get the question a lot. What is the one thing you're doing that's doing really well? There's not, there's not one thing. Unfortunately, I wish there was the silver bullet, but I do a mixture of stuff. We do social media. We do, we're do. we heavily into trying to get online reviews. So that helps with warming a lead up from a you know cold lead because people do a lot of research when they're spending a hundred grand on a kitchen or whatever. And we do local SEO, more blog writing and national SEO. 
you know, we, we definitely like, you know, we do anniversary calls and texts to our clients to try oh, wow. to, touch base, to touch base them. It's been, you know, two years since your project. Want to see how you're doing. You know, do we need to take care of anything? You know, uh, we do Christmas cards that, you know, obviously like most people do this time of year, we're doing that right now and getting that ready to send out. I put a, a picture of my family in there because this is a family business. And, and then I have a picture of my staff as well. I get a lot of people that will call me back. I mean, we're, we've done like two or three projects from people that 15 years ago I did a project for. And they've said, I've loved seeing your family grow through the years. It's, I mean, they, because every year I send them a card. So it's been, I mean, that's been good. I mean, we do a little bit of networking through Chamber and stuff like that, but mostly it's SEO. And I mean, we're on Angie's List. We, we, I don't, for houses, not worked for us. Angie's List, I think, is slowly dying. We're not on Home, home Advisor or anything like that. But um, yeah, it's just trying to find works, analyzing it. And if it doesn't work, stopping it and trying something else. Absolutely. You said a lot of good stuff there. So I'm just going to kind of break down some of the keywords that I heard. And then we'll go back and I guess try to touch on them. I'm hearing local SEO. I heard blogging. I also heard your picture of the family. That, that's kind of an interesting one out there. Uh, we'll touch on that. And then also, uh, you just mentioned Angie's List. So I guess, well, let's just work that list in reverse. What exactly are you doing on Angie's List? Because I know a lot of contractors tend to fear the Angie's List customer. There's this uh, bad rap that these Angie's List people get like, hey, they're more work, they're difficult, they're too hard to deal with. And if you don't, you know, if you don't accommodate them to whatever they want, they basically hold this Angie's List review over your head. So what are you doing on Angie's List? And has that been your experience? I had a client put me on Angel's List in 2004. So I've been on it 14 years. So I've got a lot. Wow. Of so yeah, you were back there on day one. Yeah. Yeah. And so I do, they have, you know, kind of like Google AdWords, they have where you get to the top of the list, you pay a certain monthly fee, you know, that sort of thing. I guess I'm going to tell you this. If we're afraid of reviews, there's a problem with us. I think I've gotten bad reviews. I've got, I have a lot of good reviews. I think that you have to be really, you have to pay attention to the service you provide. And if someone is not happy, you have to be willing to take a hit financially to keep them happy. And so that's tough. I mean, that's a tough, that's that little few sentences there is tough for a lot of contractors. Like, you know, I got so many jerk clients and this and that. I'm like, you know, the thing is, it's an attitude. It's, you know, our goal is for you to be happy in the end. And we've had some customers that are, you know, that weren't happy in the end because you get, a, you know, remodeling is very emotional. It's not a one day two hour, let me fix your sump pump. It's not a, you know, it's a, you know, three, three month, four month process. You know, you, you marry yeah. someone. You you are, you're working in their home and they're living yeah. in your job site. Yep. So I kind of believe, so there's two trains of thought. I would, I believe it's harder, but you know, but it's also easier to establish a relationship if you're, if you care about people, right? Cause they see yep. you every day, right? It's not just one time. Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm Bob. I'm here to fix your toilet. It's, you know, and you have to develop that rapport within an hour. We have a longer term team mentality where we have many people involved. We have technology and, and processes and scheduling and all this stuff in place to the point where we, the, the things are less likely to get, you know, slip through the cracks. Let's put it that way. So yeah, so it's, Go ahead there. I was going to say, you know, what, what exactly do, it sounds like you're paying for placement on Angie's List, which is essentially a directory. So you're paying to be kind of at the top of the directory. How much are you spending, you know, to get that premium placement there? I think it's uh, about seven grand a year. Okay. So, seven grand a year. So roughly 600, 500 a month, yeah. somewhere around yeah. there. And like I said, I, I don't want to say it's the nicest way, but I, I'm not a big fan of HomeAdvisor. Mm-hmm. 
And there's many people that probably use it and love it for me and what we do. It's more of a bidding. Uh, I want, I want three bids from home advisor. And, and so it's not, I don't believe it works in my industry and especially design build because we're, you know, we don't have a price before someone gives us money. We can give them a range, but we don't have a number of what it costs yeah. until they give us money and then we have to figure out what it costs. So Angie's list is connected with home advisor now. And I have definitely seen the leads start to decline and they're not as good. They used to have a paid service. Those the leads were much better back then. When someone pays, whatever it's a couple hundred dollars a year or whatever, they're. they're I don't even think it was that. I think it was just like maybe ten dollars a month or something yeah. for the for the customers to actually go in there and access it. Yeah, I, I remember that, and I, I do think you would have had a um, much more motivated, higher intent type of person using it. Whereas now it is just kind of a free for all. So you, you have seen a little bit of decline in the quality with the leads. Yeah. I mean, we're going to look at, I mean, every year they call me back and, and, you know, and I'm, and I'm debating over it. You know what I mean? We look at our numbers. We look at what, do we sign anything? It's been good for many years, but you know, over 19 years, I mean, back 15 years ago, I was in a magazine ad, you know, a local magazine, really nice high end one for about eight years. And for five years, it was really good. The last three, I held on to it when I shouldn't have, because I wasn't getting the calls because people were not looking at magazines for, for what I do, I guess. They weren't looking at magazines, they were going online. So I held on to it too long, spent too much money and finally said, you know what, I got to let it go because for a while it was awesome, but now it's not. Or maybe my business changed compared to where it was before that. So because it's evolved. Absolutely. Everything is always changing and it's changing faster and faster and faster. It's so much different. I mean, I started my business in 2012. The way things have changed in the technology and marketing world has changed in the six yeah. years is extremely quick. And just what I've seen in the last two years is extremely quick. I'm still intrigued by the Angie's list because I know so many people, you know, don't like it or just kind of automatically exit. What type of return on your advertising spend do you think or do you estimate that you've gotten for the last, well, year? Well, we're almost at the end of 2018 now. You know, you're six, or you said you're spending seven grand a year on the placement there. How much revenue do you think that's bringing in? You know, you got to understand if I get a $100,000 project, it's paid for itself, right? Yes, absolutely. And mm-hmm. so I've not looked at the, we're about to, I'm literally next week, about to look at the numbers and what we're going to do next year. You know, I, and I, we look at it quarterly more, but in the years past, I have hundreds of thousands of dollars, probably close to probably a couple million dollars over 15 years because I've been on them a long time, but it's definitely slowly dying. There's, again, what it comes down to is, is that the money I'm spending, can I make that up in net profit? And is the, you know, like certain things is branding. Angie's List is not mm-hmm. branding in my, in my mind. I'm also, I'll give you one example. I'm in a, a book called the Best Pick Reports book. And it's, it's not in every market. It is in Atlanta, Philadelphia, Chicago, Dallas. I mean, there's probably 15 markets. And that is a book that goes out to homeowners and you pay some fees to get calls to you, you know, depending on how many calls. But for me, it's not only getting the calls, but it's a branding. People see my name in there, right? And value to the branding. Angelus, there's no branding. People are only going to Angelus when they're ready to look. It's not like it's passing by their eyes, you know, a year before them thinking about doing a kitchen. So you have to really look at what, what, you know, what I'm spending my money on and branding is a part of it. Like Facebook is a classic one where you have high branding, I mean, sometimes a lower return, but higher branding. So you have to look at both ways, I think. So Angelus List has been really good, really of good value. I don't have this year's numbers. I can certainly and get back to you with that. But that's why I don't know if it's get as good as it's been in the past. All right, let's uh, let's shift gears now. You know, I, I pulled up a few topics there really quick. Obviously, we do have time constraints, but blogs. 
Tell me what you're doing in blogs and how those are working out for you. I know a lot of contractors are interested in the blogging for business uh, type of purposes to gain exposure, get that get that SEO juice up, get links to their website, get traffic, get the content out there. And then a lot of people will start trying to blog. They make four or five posts and then they decide it doesn't work. You know, four or five posts over the course of two months. What are you doing with blogs and how's that going for you? Blogging is is a long game, right? It's a marathon, not a sprint. You have to know how to keyword research. You have to, I mean, it's definitely on a percentage of my local business. It's not there. I'm trying, like you said, I'm trying to gain higher domain authority. That mm-hmm. helps me with, with my local SEO as well. But so yeah, it's the long game, but you also have to know what you're going after and what you're looking for. Uh, when I started, it's, it's also got to be long form content. This whole idea of, of long tail keywords, I think, personally think is garbage, you know, where you throw, throw up a 500 word article and I can, I can track for those keywords. I just, I don't think it works anymore. Yeah. I, I think that's a, uh, that's a dying thing or that has died. You know, that was popular yes. back when Google couldn't pick up your location and you needed long tail keywords to kind of get the right info out of Google. But now Google knows where you're located and they're, you know, displaying such relevant stuff to you. And I think, uh, they're looking at things in a bigger picture as opposed to just, you know, a five cent or five, five word fragment that you're trying to optimize for. I think that's kind of uh what's the word here? I don't want to say shady and it's not shady, but it's, no, uh, I mean, it's just kind say- of too low level or not low level. It's just, that doesn't align with what people want. And Google's caught onto that. Would you agree? Or? This is what I would say. 2015, when I started down this road of, I guess, diving down the hole of marketing and SEO, yeah. everyone was saying, well, create a 500 word article on one specific <laughs> topic, right? On right. A very, very specific, right? And, my, and the thing is, is that the whole idea is Google looks at when someone goes to that page, are they on that page for a long time or are they hopping off the page really quick? Right. I mean, Google look at, looks at all that. And so when you only have 500 words and they're, it's, I call it, it's called thin content rather than robust. I mean, minimum what we do exactly. is 1500 words, 2000 words, 15 to 2500 right now for every article that we do. And we try to have really good, you know, content that touches all aspects of something, not just either that. Actually, even when we do roundup posts where we have a lot of visuals, a lot of pictures, we still add 15 to 2000 words to a page. So. Anyway, so the blogging is good. I, I would say if it's a long, that's a, um, a long-term thing. If you're really trying to expedite and try to get calls coming in as quickly as you can, it's more on the local SEO than the blogs, personally. Yeah, so your quick calls, you know, going to come from the Google Maps and getting those reviews out there. But, you know, the, the blogging and stuff obviously will help you out in terms of that local SEO, getting you up there, getting a higher domain authority. And then, well, you get the national exposure. So I think in a minute we can talk about what you're trying to, well, what are you trying to? I guess we'll just go into that right now. Uh, what's, uh, what's your long game here? Because you are getting national exposure. Like I'm looking right now at a blog post that you have on your site for best home gym flooring and workout room flooring options. And well, for people that know me uh, in the group, you guys are all familiar that I'm a workout and health nut. So naturally this one just kind of perked my attention and I clicked on it. And it seems like maybe you're targeting a keyword here, home gym flooring, but you're going to get a lot of traffic from people outside your area. Do you have a kind of plan or motivation in line for capturing all this attention that you're getting from it? I would say it's two things. It's, 
ultimately inbound marketing is about being the expert in the industry, right? So whether it's national or local, you want to be an expert, you want to be a consultant. I always say, I, I tell my staff, we want to picture ourselves on the same side of the table as, that, as our clients, right? We want to picture ourselves as helping them gain their knowledge. Because I mean, a good example, gym floors, we put in basements all the time. Right. So, you know, when, when I have a, a couple things, when I have a client that's thinking about a gym floor, I send them that I can send them that blog article. Here's a really good research article. You can take a look at it and see what you think. Right. And then the other thing is we spend a lot of money in, and this may be outside of your, I mean, you probably know about it, but maybe it's something that from left field, we spend a lot of money in marketing. I, I want to put more ads on Facebook. I want to spend more money on, you know, Google AdWords, if it's appropriate, I, you know, we, we spend a lot of money. So how can we make money off of our website? And so what I'm also doing, we're starting to build it out more and more. I've only got in a few pages right now, but Amazon uh, links, right? I mean, if we have one on, you know, best faucets for shower, you know, for your shower, best rain head faucets, we mm -hmm. can have a, a link to Amazon and make some money off that. So I see what you're saying. Yep. So the, the blog, the blogs are national local SEO and in landing pages are local. So I'm only putting ads or anything like that on more of the blogs articles yeah. than I am putting on the other one. So I feel like it's in the long game. A good example, we have one paid ad on our, on one of our pages that we get 300 bucks a month for, right? You know, that's an investment back into Facebook or putting money into other things. We're not just pocketing that money. I'm going, okay, we can grow our marketing budget if we can make some money on all the work we've put in to, you know, the keyword research and the articles. I see. And the, I see and the link you building, you know, I mean, we've done a lot of link building to a lot of these sites as well. Talk to other people, you know, um, as well. So. I see. And, uh, you know, I guess I notice here, you know, on the get in touch page, your website page, you've got, and I'll link to this in the show notes. This is really nifty. You've got the contact form that says important in, uh, in red letters before contacting us for an estimate, please confirm the following. And then it's got little check boxes. You viewed our pricing guide. We'll talk about that in a second here. You are in our service area and you want services we provide. And I guess that links you to a, well, what we do page, your service page. So I like that and I think you've got a good well, a good contact form or good lead capture form in line to kind of filter out any of the, uh, what is it, I guess, non-valuable traffic or non-valuable inquiries that you might get as a result of getting so many people to your website. But your pricing guide, tell me more about that. Is that working for you? Obviously, it's working because it's been on your website now for several months, you know, in the time that I've kind of looked at it before contacting you to come on the show. It's still there. If it wasn't working, I think you would have taken it down by now. How crucial of a tool is this in your sales process? For us, pretty crucial, to be honest with you. Again, imagining yourself on the same side of the table as our client, right? As a consultant to our client, mm -hmm. what can we do? We want to educate them. The number one thing that people want to know with everything in the beginning is what is it going to cost me, right? I want to do this Absolutely. kitchen. I want to do this kitchen. Oh, I'd love to do a kitchen. That's beautiful. But what does that cost? I mean, I'm not giving exact prices because every job is custom, but at least gives them a range to say, you know what? Oh, I went on this guy's website, beautiful website. People, you know, he seems like a good guy and he, and he put approximate pricing. This project's going to be 80 grand. We don't keep it. Why are we even calling anybody? Why don't we wait a year or two and then call him and then call other people? You know what I mean? Because everyone calls multiple people, you know? So yeah. but either way, I was the first person that said, you know, you're looking at about this. I mean, is that in your range? So the other thing is that when people call us, you know, we ask, what's your budget? You know, are you looking to do a kitchen? Because we can give you some really good advice. But if we give you advice for really, really expensive kitchen, you're just going to say you can't do it. So I'd rather work and give you some good advice that fits within your budget. 
So, and they go, well, I don't know the price. I'll say, well, you know, let's go to the website. I'll take a look. I mean, give me an idea. I, I, honestly, I can take a look at pictures online. Typically, I get an idea of the size of their, their kitchen by looking at Google Images or Zillow pictures. Sometimes there's even pictures of the interiors online. So, I'll give them an idea and a general cost over the phone. And say, is this what you were thinking? Is this even in the realm of what you're thinking? And they'll say, you know, that's more than I want. I have more than I thought, to be honest with you. I'm like, okay, do you still want to set up a time to meet? I'll still come out. We can, you know, we can certainly talk and see if it makes sense to move to move forward. Our process, I can give you a little bit of general idea of the cost when we come out, but our process is to give us a little bit of money to start the design. And, you know, I mean, we can, you know, it's free hour consultation or whatever to talk over what you want to do and go through our process and but, you know, recently, last week, I had someone say, you know, I said, you're, you're probably looking around 80. He's like, well, I wanted to spend 40. And I said, oh, we're probably not the right fit for what you want to do then. And I said, has someone given you a price for 40 grand? And he's like, no, but I thought that's what it would cost. I'm like, he said, can I ask where you've got that price? Like, I honestly I didn't get anywhere. I just, I, I thought 40 grand would be enough. And I'm like, I said, why don't you do some research and, you know, why don't you, you know, if you want to talk to other contractors, if you want to meet, I'll meet with you. But it seems like we're very far off in your budget. Are you lock solid in that budget? And he said, you know, I really am at this point. And honestly, we haven't done a kitchen in 15 years for 40 grand. <laughs> he wanted to remove walls. He wanted to, you know, the floor he wasn't doing, but he was a great person. And I, I tried to send him, I said, how about I send you some information? And, you know, I've got a resource page on how to hire a contractor. And again, I'm trying to be a consultant to them trying yes. to get rid of this veil or this, this back and forth of people trying to think I'm against them and say that we're on the same side of the team. I'm just trying to help you. And, but if we're not the right fit, I understand. And I can, and maybe you can find a guy that's got lower overhead, maybe a pickup truck contractor and maybe he can mm -hmm. do it. I don't think he's able to find anybody to do it for that. I mean, but maybe a little bit closer to his number if you don't have all the overhead that we do with designers and a showroom and all that stuff. So, Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, it sounds like ultimately you probably ended up directing him back to you know your pricing guide on yep, the website, yep. which would have been effective. And yep. the pricing guide on there for those of you that will end up listening to this, I'm just going to kind of describe it. What they've got, for example, on a kitchen is large size kitchen, medium size kitchen, and then a small galley kitchen, and then it's broken down at that level into three more levels, either basic level in terms of what scope of work you're looking for mid-level and upper level for example a large kitchen basic level you is going to use existing cabinetry and existing floor plan remain that's 65k plus budget upper level uh, would be removing existing walls to accommodate uh, design layouts and new flooring and subsequently customized cabinetry in there and there's some other specifications so uh, it gives people an idea of what to expect at each level and that's very very good way, I think, of displaying it here. Obviously, it's working very well for you, Brian. So uh, props on that for making this work because I, I really think this is something vital. I think it's something that more contractors should do and I should do in my own business. But we have personally struggled with displaying the prices and all this, whereas it sounds like you've made it work and turned it into a great sales tool for you guys. Again, it's, it's probably a little bit different what we do compared to, you know, a service call or, I mean, bigger ticket items, they're big ranges, right? I'm not giving exactly, anybody yeah. an exact price. You know, it's kind of like when you go buy, when you want to buy a car, you first start with, with, okay, you know, when you talk to a dealer, I want to buy a, an SUV. Okay, well, mm -hmm. give me your budget. Give me your budget. Do you have a budget of 80 grand or you want to buy something more economical at 60 grand? Because you're going to be between 60 and 80, right? You know, yep. somewhere in there, that's the range. And let's, let's talk about the details of what you want built into that 
you know, SUV. So it's the same things what we're doing. But when you get down to something small, and that's why we only do kitchens, bathrooms, and basements, right? If someone calls me up, says I want a tile in my shower. I'm like, I don't know how much that, I mean, if I give them a range and say that's $10,000, like I, I could a guy installed cheaper and I could buy my own tile. Like, yeah, of yeah. course. You know what I mean? So the bigger ticket items, it's a lot of bigger process. There's a lot more to it. It's more overwhelming for clients. So it, you, you're not going to call another guy up and say, what do you, what do you charge for a kitchen? He's going to go, I don't know. It depends what you want to do. But, you, yeah. you know, another guy, another guy's got a website that says 75 to 95. He goes, could be, I don't know. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's <laughs> so vague. We don't, I mean, there's so many options nowadays. So yeah. It, yeah, that is uh, certainly one of the perks of the scope of work that you're doing. So uh, real quick, let's go back to the blogging. I mean, how many posts are you doing and how regularly are you doing that? And one thing I think for everyone out there listening that uh, you know is interested in blogging to grow your business, get traffic to your website, one thing I want to highlight is what you said, Brian, you're doing 1,500 word posts. That is a lot of writing. Especially when you're running a trades business, I know that you don't have time to sit down and write 1,500 words all the time. So do keep that in mind, guys, when you're out there. While Brian is getting a lot of business and exposure from these blog posts, they're putting a lot of time into it, and there's some high-quality images behind them. They are very uh, very well put together and thought out. But how often are you doing them, You know, and how many do you have at this point? So our goal is two a week. I say our goal because it. I mean, we go through spurts where we're working on different projects. Yeah, I know. I, I know what it's like. You'll churn out like four of them real quick, and then you'll kind of forget about it for a little bit. Yeah. And we always do one a week at least. But and two is our goal. We did a lot of we for a while. We did a lot of you know guest post writing. We would do our own one and then do a guest post one week where people would send us. But the, the guest post is not. It hasn't been good enough content for us. So we've started to try to reduce that and just do our own. But yeah, I mean, so. Our process with blog writing is that we do brainstorming. We look at keywords and, and that works good. I mean, good example, when I go to the kitchen and bath show in January, I'm going to be looking for, I'm going to be looking for new materials that are being put into homes, appliances, you know, something new and unique, right? And yep. so when I come across that, I'm going to get the content. I'm, you know, most of the time these new, manufacturers. unique and different. Yes. That sells. Good example, matte black appliances, right? That's more, you know, newer, more and more people are seeing it, more and more people are liking it. I want to stay ahead of the game. I want to create a blog article first. I want to long form, get good content from the manufacturer, maybe even interview them, ask them a couple of questions, record it. I can certainly do that. But in the end, we sit down and brainstorm and look at topics that we're going to do. We then create a brief with an outline. This topic, we want to, like our trends articles, like we do every year, we do 2019 trends, bathroom trends, whether it's tile trends, kitchen, whatever that is. And our designers create the trends, give the, give some of the content. And then we have a writer, a VA write it for us, but we give them guidance, do some research, tell them what we want. And then they do the research and the writing. And then I have a, I have an internal marketing, social media person and girl that will, it does write. She reviews it. She talks it over. We look through it and say, okay, that's good. Let's, let's, let's add all the pictures load it up in WordPress and post it on this date. So there's a process to it for sure. I don't write all of them. Uh, it's ghostwriting. Obviously my name's mm -hmm. on all of them because I'm writing the outline and, and doing that. But it's also just all this is to be the expert in the industry. I want people to find my name all over the place and go, man, who is this guy? You know what I mean? And so when it's local, they, they can go to that and go, this guy has got so much content, so much stuff he puts out there. I've read half, you know, a ton of his articles. And so I think we need to call him first. You know, that's absolutely. all I'm looking for. Absolutely. So it definitely, there's, it definitely is a process. It's definitely work. I have two marketing people on staff, one that's kind of more in the digital marketing realm with Facebook ads and 
the technology end of it. And then uh, the girl that does the blogs and social media. Awesome stuff. So is there one blog post that has kind of stood out as the real winner? I don't know if you know this about me, but we've done a lot of blogging for my company, Gulf Coast Aluminum. And there's one blog post that certainly solidifies me as being in the top 1% income earners of writers out there. It is one that I did a few years ago. It's called uh, The Four Types of Screen Every Homeowner Should Know About and What to Avoid. And that thing, I wrote it back in 2013. I cringe when I read it today. But it is like, uh, it's like the gift that just keeps on giving. Everybody just keeps eating it up. We use it in our Facebook ads. Uh, we you know, distribute it as one of our main pieces of content. Do you have any blog posts out there like that? Well, before I, I why do you cringe? You know, I think, you know, it could be done better. It could be totally reworded. Why don't you do that? That is certainly something that's on the horizon. One of the reasons why I haven't, though, is I've kind of been hesitant to go back and update it because it works so good as it is. It's almost like if it's not broken, don't fix it, you know? Uh, So maybe sometimes I think that I'm going in that direction with it and I tend to be my toughest critic. So maybe it's just like I feel like I could do better, but what what we have there is working, you know? So that one's that's been lingering on my mind actually for a couple of years. Like, let's do a total remake. Uh, it has had some minor improvements, but by and large, it's substantially the same as it was. So that's where we're at on that one. And yeah, it just keeps, yeah. uh, it keeps working and everyone keeps reading it. And it's a, the number one page on our website. It gets more traffic than any other page on the site. Do you know how many words on that page are? It's about a thousand. Yeah, see, personally, I would... I, I wouldn't worry too. I mean, first of all, your H1 and H2 headers are really key on that page. And yeah. obviously people have been enjoying the, you know, the content and looked at it and has been on that page a lot. I would mm-hmm. probably take, take that content, update it and not change it all brand new, but update it and mm-hmm. a- add another thousand words to it with the newest innovative stuff and update the images, update the pictures, keep the headings, get H1, H2 stuff so you don't lose some of that juice, but then update it because Google will go back, oh, it's current now. It's new stuff. Let me, let's, let's dive back yeah. into it. And you'll actually maybe get more traffic to it. So anyway, so for us, definitely the image-based posts for sure. I mean, and, and the ones that do really well are the ones that I found keywords that killed it. I, I, I mean, so I mean, I did research, you know, I used to do a lot of the research back in 2016, 17. Now I have someone else do that, but I found, you know, other pages doing well that had lower domains than me. Mm-hmm. And I went after similar keywords, but I made them way better and a lot more long form content, a lot more images and a better, you know, better user experience. And we're killing with that. I mean, what, a good example is I, we have an article for uh, Shiplap. If you've heard of Shiplap is the Joanna and Chip Joanna Gaines. They, they made it really popular. It's just a trim material you put on your walls. Uh, I think I created uh, like top 50 Shiplap images, you know, top 50 Shiplap images. And then I created content around that. We've got one for barn doors. Uh, we've got one for, t- you know, shower systems. I mean, you know, it's some of them I've gotten, we've gotten a lot <laughs> for sure. So yeah, it's though it's from, for me, it's more image, image driven for sure. Absolutely. That goes along with what I notice as a trend, particularly my own website traffic over the last two years. Uh, number one, mobile is now approaching 70% of the traffic and how mobile users interact with the page, uh, you know, as we're all consistently bombarded with marketing messages and content online, people land on the page. What do they do? They swipe up with their thumb twice. They skim it. And then they go for the back button. So you really need engaging content there. Pictures work far, far better than text. So it's not surprising to me that you're doing quite well with those blog posts. Now, 
Are you just relying on people finding them on your website? Obviously, it sounds like you're sending them content manually as you reach certain points of the sales process or when it becomes appropriate in the sales process. Do you have anything automated going on, maybe distributing your content? Yeah, the only automation we do is someone in our in our service area. Mm-hmm. So we have we have a couple. We have a cabinet 101 ebook. You know, where give them yep. information on cabinets. We have a remodeling 101 ebook. We're just how to hire a contractor, what to look for, that sort of stuff. I mean, doing reviews and research, all that stuff. So it's a nice, robust ebook for clients to kind of review that. And then if they are in, they type in to their, their name, email, what they're looking to do, kitchens, bathrooms, or basements, and then yep. their, zip co- their zip code. And Where do have, they type this in at real quick? Where do they type that in at? When they're trying to download the ebook, there's a... Okay, so the, the ebook is on your website and then to download yeah. the ebook, they type that in. Okay. Yeah. So once they do, if they're in our local area, they get on a five. We only do five right now. It's one of the things we want to do next year, start to pull it out more. But we do a five email automatic you know, email that kind of goes, if they say basement, here, here's another really good article on basements. And here's this information on basements and this information on basements. And we also send out a, what looks like a personal email that says, hey, I'm the owner. I'm, you know, I'm Brian. Mm-hmm. If you guys if you have any questions, I know this is a long process. I'm not going to keep sending you any more emails. I'm here. You're certainly welcome to email back and I'll answer any questions. Just kind of a no no strings attached type thing. And that actually has been good. People will actually say, you know, I'm just kind of thinking about doing this and this. Do you have any advice? And then we'll say, do this, this, and this, you know? And so that's been good. I, I would say I would like more people filling out the contact form. The problem the, uh, is- To actually really request an estimate. Yes, yes. That and uh, um, I want, I'd love to have more local people doing the remote, you know, the, the ebook. The ebook. We don't, Yes, it's a very low percentage. I, I, I would, a lot of people believe this is the end all be all. Not everyone downloads it. People don't live like giving out emails and you know, email addresses anymore. So I, we've tried doing Facebook ads around it. They were horribly expensive because no, no, per conversion. You know what I mean? They're just, we weren't getting people doing it. So maybe that's the content. Maybe that's the title of the Facebook ad. I mean, there's a lot of things that go into it, but ultimately, yeah. you know, it's a, uh, you know, we've thought about doing more videos, you know, you know, with, mm-hmm. with content on like that rather than written word. But I think it's good. Uh, I'm not one of those proponents like the, everything. All you need is this and it'll do well for you. But because locally, it's not like it's, you know, thousands a year. It's hundreds. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I have gone down the road of the ebook and we actually don't make the ebook available on our website because we get, you know, so many people uh, from other places in the country and we just want to, you know, get the people that are local into the nurturing sequence. It sounds like in some way in your automation program, you've got them, uh, you're siphoning them out based on their location when they opt in for the ebook. But what we're doing and some of the people in the group have seen this, we're running ads for what is essentially a EDF or EDF, an ebook or PDF. I forget exactly what we call it. We just call it the guide and then the the ad image looks like the ebook, but we call it the PDF guide is exactly what we call it. And uh, we run that as a Facebook ad to our target audience. We just capture first name and email and then they go into a sequence just like you've got there. I think ours is what is ours? I think ours is seven days and nine emails. So nine emails over seven days. We do have one uh, one email in there that looks like it comes from me as the as the owner, and uh, we do pretty well with those. We get them about two dollars per opt in, and then maybe one out of seven of them will request an estimate. So I, I should say sometimes ventures up like this time of the year around the holidays are 
the interest in our services kind of goes down. So right now we're probably paying about $3 per opt-in, but let's just call it the high number, three bucks, seven opt-ins, and we get one estimate request, 21 bucks for one estimate request. Uh, that's pretty good by our numbers. So we actually do quite well with that. So that might be something to come back and look for, uh, you know, maybe... I'm sure I know you got, you know, a countless list of things on your marketing horizon, but I think that is something that might might do quite good for you. Maybe something that you guys can look into, refine and something that shouldn't be kicked off the plate this early. But at this point, we are starting to kind of wind up on time. So, Brian, thanks for joining us on the show. In case anybody out there listening wants to connect with you, what's the best way of doing that? You can email me at Brian, B-R-Y-A-N, at Mm -hmm. Sebring at sebringdesignbuild.com and that's S-E-B-R-I-N-G. All right. I'm going to put that in the show notes. We'll put a bunch of stuff in the show notes because Brian's got awesome stuff to look at, stuff that will really help you guys out there in your content marketing. You know, see what he's doing. You know, use that for inspiration in your own stuff because I will say as someone that's done a lot of content marketing, he's right on the money. He's knocking it out of the park with this stuff. Even I'm looking at his stuff looking like, damn, that's a pretty good idea. So, Brian, you're doing great there, man. And I think, you know, we'll have to have you back on the show in another year. And hopefully at that point, you're doing five million. You've doubled your business and it's all coming from... uh, all coming from your from your content and your marketing. You got your Facebook ads kicking. So, Brian, man, thanks again for joining us on the show. Yeah, it was good to talk to you. Thanks. Thanks for having me. You've reached the end of another episode of the Home Pro Success Podcast. Connect with us and join our collaborative Facebook group at homeprosuccess.com.